It's filled with important minerals like magnesium, selenium, and zinc. It contains fat-soluble vitamins that are crucial to human health, such as vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, and vitamin K. And of course, most importantly of all, it contains alpha-lipoic acid, which, while many of us out there may have never heard of this before, alpha-lipoic acid, or ALA, protects mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell. Apparently, ALA can also be helpful in preventing nerve damage associated with diabetes. So, what is this wonder substance? Is it some sort of new pharmaceutical from Pfizer right around the corner for human consumption? No. This is liver. And there have been a lot of people out there, Liver King and many others, who have advocated all of these supposed benefits of organ meat consumption. But what is the actual science behind organ meat consumption? And on the market today, there's a lot of substitutes like organ meat in pills. And is there science behind that or is that just a scam? Let's talk about the science behind that. Welcome to the science behind that with Atticus Hamilton. Hello all you scientists and welcome on back to the Science Behind That podcast. I am your host Atticus Hamilton and I hope you guys are having a fantastic Friday. Um, You know, I know I'm having a great Friday here. It's beautiful outside. Uh, It's, well, it's it's not beautiful outside yet. It's like 5am, but it will be beautiful outside today, so I'm told. So I know I'm kind of late to this whole like liver king controversy controversy. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to be talking about his steroid juice at all. That's not the purpose of today's episode. I just kind of used him as a catch as like a hook. Um, but he has advocated uh, heavily for the consumption of organ meats. And by the end of today's episode, hopefully, Um, You guys will walk away from this knowing more about organ meats and, you know, knowing whether or not uh, the science is there to back up the claims. So, um, before we get started, as usual, I'd like to invite all of you guys to go grab yourselves a nice steaming hot cup of coffee, add a little bit of maple syrup to it, not too much, just a little bit to bring out those autumn flavors Sorry, I had to take a sip of my coffee there. All right, so this is going to be a pretty information-dense episode today. Um, But before I get into it, um, I'd first kind of like to talk about these, um, the health benefits that are sort of claimed um, by a lot of popular media. So this is from Healthline.com. Organ meats are highly nutritious, they say. They are particularly rich in B vitamins, such as vitamin B12 and folate. They are also rich in minerals, including iron, magnesium, selenium, and zinc, and important fat-soluble vitamins like vitamins A, D, E, and K. Furthermore, organ meats are an excellent source of protein and are often pound-for-pound more nutritious than muscle meats. So... That's sort of the general um, arguments that are being made by people um, as 
to the benefits of consuming organ meats. Um, now we're going to break that down because there's a lot of research out there on the consumption of organ meats. And today I'm first going to talk about the benefits that we have seen um, clinically with the consumption of organ meats. And after we talk about the benefits there, then I'm going to dive into um, potential side effects or um, problems with consuming organ meat because there are some problems with it. And, um, you know, I, I know that some people out there may get angry at me saying that, but it's just true. All right. So starting off, I think this is the most obvious thing. Um, organ meats contain a lot of iron, but I think, let me back up a bit because let me define really what an organ meat is before we go any deeper. An organ meat is basically any type of meat or any type of um, meat or protein from an animal that is not muscular meat. And so this would be the blood, bones, and skin. So for my fellow bone broth fans out there, I love bone broth. That would be considered an organ meat. Uh, bone, bone marrow is an organ meat. Um, so blood, bones, and skin... And uh, for those chicken eaters out there, I know that the uh, crunchy skin on chicken sometimes is the best part. That's an organ meat as well. Brain, heart, kidneys, and liver. Um, now, heart, kidneys, and liver are probably the three most common that you'd see um, in in like the grocery store. Um, but you also have intestines and tripe, which is the stomach lining. Um Personally, I'm not a big advocate of either the intestines or the brain, and I'll get into that towards the end of today's episode. And then you have sweetbreads, which is going to be your pancreas and your thymus, and then tongue. Tongue is really good. Personally, I think tongue is really good. I've had boiled cow tongue before, and that is really good when it's cooked, um, when it's cooked well. But anyway... I digress. So that's what an organ meat is. And I think for the vast majority of the benefits that we're going to be talking about today, those are going to be from kidneys and liver. Because if I were to lump like bone broth in there, this episode would be like two hours long. Because there are a lot of benefits to bone broth. And I might actually do an entire episode just on bone broth. Um, so mainly what we're going to be talking about today will pertain to kidneys and liver. So the most obvious benefit, I think, is iron levels. Iron is vitally important for a variety of different um, aspects of human biology. I think the most obvious one is to make hemoglobin and myoglobin. So both of those you need iron. Now, I know some of you out there are like, well, I've heard of hemoglobin before, but what is myoglobin? Myoglobin is very similar to hemoglobin, but it functions more in the muscle tissue itself uh, in terms of oxygen transport as opposed to in the blood. But both of those need iron. There's a lot of complex biochemistry between the two that I'm not going to get into because it's kind of boring. Not going to lie. But both of them need iron. Um, 
And in addition to that, iron is also important just for muscular function. Um, muscular function and skin health, skin and hair health, keratin. Iron is very important, but um, we, we mainly think of it as its involvement in hemoglobin and, um, and uh, myoglobin. So just some basic statistics here for you. Chicken liver, on average, four ounces of chicken liver contains 10.2 milligrams of iron, whereas four ounces of beef tenderloin contains 2.664 milligrams of iron. So automatically there you can see a massive difference um, just in the concentration of iron. And why is that? The answer is kind of complex, but... The liver, um, specifically the liver, is just heavily saturated with blood. It really is. Um, I don't know if any of you have been fortunate enough to um, dissect human cadavers or even animals um, and, and like look at liv the liver both at a macroscopic and microscopic perspective, but it is just so saturated with capillaries and vasculature and blood because of its role. The liver is the blood filtering organ, primarily, um, and kidneys do blood filtering as well to make urine, but the liver is the, liver is the big cojona, you know? Um, the liver is responsible for the recycling of dead red blood cells, of dead white blood cells. There's just so many things that the liver does, especially that involves blood and iron, that it's not that surprising. Additionally, organ meat in general is very rich in vitamins B6 and B12. Um, B6 is fundamentally important for the destruction of proteins, so protein recycling um, and carbohydrate recycling and fat recycling. Um, and of course, B6 is also used by white blood cells in a variety of different ways. Um, and so it's important for having a healthy immune system. Vitamin B12 is necessary for um, creating uh, both central nervous system neurons and peripheral nervous system neurons, specifically in making the um, oligosaccharides. That's a, a kind of weird word, but it's, it's important in making the oligosaccharides that compose the cell wall of the nerve. And for those of you who have been uh, fans of this podcast for a long time, you'll know that cell walls in a cell are composed of what are called phospholipids. And they're these structures that are called amphi uh, amphipathic, which means one part of them is attracted to water and one part of them is repelled by water. And those phospholipids associate together to form a basically a little bubble, which becomes a cell membrane. And an ugliolipid is... Um, basically uh, a type of phospholipid. Um, but that's where B12 is mainly used, and it's also involved in proper DNA function and the production of red blood cells from the bone marrow. So what else? Um, organ meats, as you would expect, um, have a lot of protein. Um, for example, the Department of Agri the U.S. Department of Agriculture states that around 100 grams of beef liver or 3.5 ounces of beef liver contains 20.4 grams of protein, um, where the same amount of t 
top loin steak has 22.8. So there's a big difference there we see where muscle meat actually has more protein than organ meat, which makes sense because muscle um, is, you know, muscle meat is higher density. Muscle is higher density than most organs. And so a lot of that high density is going to be protein, but um, organ meats are still a major source of protein. And then we get to alpha lipoic acid, which I talked about in the intro of today's episode. And so alpha lipoic acid or ALA um, is important in um, forming the cell, the outer membrane of the mitochondria within your own cells. And as we all know from high school biology, the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. And um, uh, the mitochondria manufactures ATP to be used in the cell. And so this is important, not just for daily life, but for all my fellow weightlifters out there, you know, you know, if you're doing a, a, a you know, five reps uh, um, at uh, of your deadlifts, I, I don't know, 300 or so pounds, there's going to come a point where you tire out and you drop it. And why do you tire out and you drop it? Because your muscles have burned through their reserves of ATP. And so you take a respite break so you can wait and let your myocytes uh, synthesize more ATP. And that's all done by the mitochondria. And ALA assists in that process. And it also assists in protecting the mitochondria from damage. Additionally, um, ALA helps prevent nerve damage associated with diabetes in a similar fashion. It sort of reinforces the cell wall of your neurons, uh, both in the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system. Now, as for magnesium, so what does this look like? So, uh, or minerals in general, organ meat provides a lot of different minerals, magnesium, selenium, zinc. Um, In fact, just a like three ounce serving of beef liver has around 300 milligrams of magnesium. And that is huge because magnesium is vitally important in over 300 physiological processes. And, you know, including obviously central nervous system function, muscle function, and the synthesis of new bone by um, osteocytes and osteoblasts. And so magnesium is very important for healthy muscles, healthy skin, healthy nerves, and healthy bone. Selenium is important for proper thyroid function, and this is an abundance in organ meats, along with zinc. And zinc is important for the immune system because it sort of serves as a a cellular communication molecule and so through a variety of different processes zinc can be used to signal either that there's a threat a pathogenic threat in the body or that there's a wound that needs to be repaired and it's essential for those functions and um, additionally it can be used um, and is necessary to make protein and dna and vitamins. Every every vitamin you heard in the intro is present in organ meats, specifically um, the liver and the kidneys. So vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin E, vitamin K. A is important for uh, vision and um, immunological function. 
and um, it also allows your heart and your lungs to work um, well, to, to function properly. Vitamin D is important for um, the immune system and any anyone who lived in Alaska like I used to, you know it's important for your um, bones and vitamin D you get from the sun, not really, but your, your, your cells produce vitamin D from sunlight even though it's not technically a vitamin. Um, and it's very important for bone health. That's why um, a lot of milk here in the north uh, has vitamin D added to it because in the winter you can't get it and it is important for, for healthy bones. Vitamin E is an antioxidant, and so as or because of that, um, it protects tissues from damage. And the way antioxidants work, specifically vitamin E, is basically it binds up free radicals, which are molecules that um, are miss or there are atoms that are missing the a certain amount of electrons, and so they're really they really aggressively take those electrons from other atoms and that can damage tissue. And so what vitamin E does, because it's an antioxidant, is it basically binds up those free radicals and neutralizes them. Um, and vitamin E also prevents um, excessive clotting and it helps in um, vasodilation, which is widening of um, blood vessels. And of course, Vitamin K is important in nails, hair, and making proteins for for um, the blood clotting cascade, which is a nightmare. I'm not going to get into, but uh, and building bones. So those are the main benefits to eating, specifically liver and kidneys. Um, and a lot of that data that I read you is from both Mayo and Cleveland Clinic. Um, now, I think it's important to jump into this next part, which is what are the side effects of organ meat consumption? And how much do you need to eat to see these side effects? Well, this is where I get into sort of why I'm against the consumption of brain or spinal cord material of an animal. That is because it puts you at risk for prion diseases like mad cow disease. So for my American viewers out there, which I know is the, I'd say 60% of you, this really isn't a concern for U.S. beef and pretty much any meat in the United States. Um, BSC gained notoriety in the 80s in the U.K. when there was a massive outbreak of it. And what bunch of... Bovine spongiform encephalopathy, or mad cow disease, is, is it's a prion. And what a prion is, is it's a type of protein in the brain that's, when it's PRPC, it's normal. And that's prion protein cellular. And when it's in that state, it's normal. But sometimes it undergoes chemical changes that change alpha helices structures to beta pleated sheets and when that happens it essentially forms concretions in the brain and it will convert normal prion protein to this um bad form um and i believe that's prpsc or something like that um 
And anyway, in the 1980s, it was everywhere in in British meat. Um, And the reason for this was because there was no laws that were preventing farmers from actually grinding up dead cows and feeding to or feeding those ground up cows to the living cows. Now, why would they do that? Would you ask high protein feed? Because it would fatten the cow up a lot quicker than normal feed would. And in the 1980s, this was a massive thing that was going on. And people didn't realize in the UK that this was an issue until people started getting mad cow disease. But in the US, the US sort of knew about mad cow disease as an issue before the 1980s. And so because of it, the US has extremely... Uh, tight restrictions on beef and um, food supply to eliminate any high-risk animal from the food supply before either people, um, pets, or feed animals eat it. And of course, um, using ground up cat or grinding up other animals to put in feed was banned in the United States a long time ago, um, and that wasn't the case in the UK. Uh, and fun fact, that's why people... Um, from the UK who were there between the 1970s and the 1990s are not allowed to give blood in the United States because of how slow the disease progresses. Um, you know, there's just a massive risk with that. So um, don't eat brain. That's the more of the story, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> so that is one risk, but albeit that is a very sort of niche risk because Sure, theoretically, if, if you have a, a, a mad cow disease infected animal and you eat their, their muscle or their bone, you could get uh, prion disease. But in all honesty, it's mainly through nervous system tissue. Uh, so you want to avoid that. Another risk is excessive vitamin A and iron. And um, so consuming too much vitamin A can cause birth defects, apparently. Um, and organ meat has a high amount of vitamin A. And so because of this, people who are pregnant or are looking to become pregnant should avoid organ, eating organ meat for the time being. Um, and as we discussed previously, iron or iron meat, organ meat has a lot of iron in it and you can sort of OD on iron, um, it, it it's not that big of a problem if you eat organ meat in moderation, but if you're eating it every single day for every meal, you might run into some problems. Um, it's especially apparent in children because children, just from a physiological perspective, don't need as much vitamin A or iron when compared to adults. So children's consumption of organ meat should be at a minimum, I guess, it should be lower than that of an adult. Now, here's an interesting one, which is fatty liver disease. So Cleveland Clinic said that a large study of adults found that eating organ meat may slightly increase the risk of developing non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. I looked up this study and I did find it. Um, Let me pull it up here. I did find it. Um, And their conclusion was that there was a minimal um, but still present correlation between 
uh, increased consumption of organ meat and elevated non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But then I found another study, which is which determined that a higher consumption of animal organ meat actually is associated with a lower prevalence of non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. So herein lies a conundrum, or what you would believe to be a conundrum. And to answer this, to understand this, we have to first determine what is the difference between non-alcoholic steatohepatitis and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. What is the difference there? Because there is a big difference. So, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is characterized by having fat in your liver but no actual hepatitis, meaning no damage to hepatocytes or liver cells. For example, um, some people have fat in their livers or they have fatty livers, but their livers are functioning just fine because while they have fat in their liver, this, the hepatocytes are functioning perfectly normal. There's no actual destruction to the liver. And that's what's called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So the question here, I think, then, is, is it really an issue? And as a scientist and a prospective doctor, I'm inclined to say, if there's no destruction to the hepatocytes, it it's not really an issue because the, the issues arise when either you block the hepatic duct or the bile duct, or when you have destruction to the hepatocytes. And if that's not occurring, it's not really an issue. And that sort of leads us into then, what is non-alcoholic steatohepatitis? This is when you have fat in your liver and signs of inflammation and hepatocyte cell damage. So this is sort of, this is the bad thing. And what was observed is that higher consumption of animal organ meat is associated with the decreased prevalence of this bad thing, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis. But it was also observed with an increase of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And I think in a way that's kind of misleading, and in a way I'd like to say Cleveland Clinic, you need to explain this better because you know somebody could just read this and be like oh my god you know i'm gonna get liver disease and die non-alcoholic fatty liver disease does not necessarily cause any physiological issues at least initially because it's as i said it's just fat in the liver without any hepatocyte destruction or inflammation However, a lot of the times when people have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, they tend to have risk factors like obesity or type 2 diabetes. And in those situations, that, um, that um, NAFLD can progress from not being harmful, right? From having fat but no, no actual disease, no no liver destruction to NAH or NASH, which is um, the the bad kind, non-alcoholic steatohepatitis, um, where they do have liver destruction, and that's so that to me is interesting. 
I think. Um, and I thought that was very interesting because it's like, well, on one hand, the consumption of liver specifically, um, but on one hand, the consumption of organ organ meat elevates non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. But on the other hand, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And C, it also lowers the bad form of um, NFALD, basically. Um, so it, it, more research needs to be done, definitely. But what can be said is that it could be advised that if you have type 2 diabetes or if you um, have risk factors like uh, obesity, maybe you want to stay away from eating organ meat at least until you get those other conditions under control. Um, that might be a, a good option because um, organ meat also has high levels of LDL. Um, but as far as I could find, there hasn't been a lot of evidence to suggest that it actually causes atherosclerosis. So I think for the time being, um, it, it still looks to where the health benefits outweigh any potential risks. The final risk is that um, there may be a risk of developing bladder cancer. Um, and I know I saved the worst for last, right? All of you are like, oh my God. Now, look, this is important to note here that it was only a couple studies and they found that regularly eating organ meat could raise the risk of developing bladder cancer. So when I read this, and, and of course the, the side note here is more research is needed, including a large scale study. So... I think the, the, the side note here is that, that that potential air quotes risk is much loosely based in science than the rest are. You know, there's not a lot of research into that. And so that could be an area um, of, of research that needs to be expanded on. So overall, the consumption of organ meat obviously has... A lot of benefits and I'm excluding brain here because brain is bad um, but the consumption of organ meat in general has a lot of benefits there are some risks theoretically I guess um, and so it should be consumed I would say by healthy individuals or individuals who are getting healthy you know getting in shape um, and it should be consumed in moderation, potentially once a week or maybe once every other week, not an everyday sort of thing. There is evidence to show that if it's consumed every day, you know, it's a scenario of too much of a good thing can become a bad thing. So consumption in moderation has been shown to have significant health benefits. And while it may cause fat in the liver, potentially, it actually lowers um, liver damage. It lowers the risk for fatty um, livers with liver damage. So I don't know. I guess if you consume a lot of it, you'll have liver with fat that functions normally. And I think that's better than having a fatty liver that doesn't function well at all. Um, plus all the benefits of organ meat to begin with. And so the final thing I wanted to touch on here is 
the supplements. So, the supplements. So, this is where the science that, you know, the science saying that there's a benefit to consuming organ meat, this is where it kind of all falls away because the reality is there is very little research into the efficacy or the health benefits of organ supplements. And what do I mean by this? If you go to Amazon and you type in like organ meat pills, my God, you'll find so many different things. I mean, let's do it right now. So if I go to Amazon, you guys are all joining me while I go to Amazon, and I do organ meat pills, you get so many different things. Carnivore, grass-fed beef organs, beef liver capsules, ancestral supplements, beef organs, um, grass-fed beef organs, vital proteins, desiccated beef liver pills, blah, 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 blah. The question here is, do these actually deliver the same nutritional benefits that eating the actual organ does? And ladies and gentlemen, unfortunately, I have to say I don't know. And some of you may be like, well, Atticus, if you didn't know, why did you add this part of the podcast? I added this because this is important. There's not a lot of research into this. And these um, organ pills are prepared in a variety of different ways. Sometimes the liver, for example, is dried out and then pulverized and then put into a capsule. Other times you use chemical agents to desiccate it. Other times you cook it and then desiccate it. Long story short, with all these this processing that goes into it, um, we're not really sure if the, for example... If the um, vitamin B6 or the vitamin B12 or the vitamin E or the D or the A, we don't actually know if the structures of those molecules are denatured or are interfered with at all by the process of processing organ meats into a capsule form. It's safe to assume that these pills would still contain the same amount of magnesium, selenium, and zinc just because those are elements. And so you can't destroy an element, right? Matter is neither created nor destroyed. But with the more complex chemicals in here like the ALA, and again, the vitamin A, D, E, and K, we're not sure what the processing of those organs would actually do to those levels. And there's not a lot of research into it. If you go into Google Scholar, and I know that's not the the best place to find research papers, and you look up organ meat supplements, you're not going to find anything. It's just going to all be about the health benefits of organ meat themselves, not the supplements form of those organ meats. And these things aren't cheap either. I mean... Just looking at the Amazon page here, the cheapest container I found is 25 bucks. And that's not cheap. I mean, there's one here that's $100. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the reason I added this in here is to say there are health benefits to the consumption of organ meat. 
but with virtually no research into the the pill form you're just better off buying the piece the raw piece of liver and cooking it or the kidney and cooking it and it's a lot cheaper too i mean i got like four cuts of beef liver for like five bucks so <laughs> you know that's a lot better than um and, and if you're saying you know eating one piece a week that will last me a month and so that's a lot better than um uh getting one of these pill capsules for a hundred dollars so ladies and gentlemen Thank you very much for listening to this episode of The Science Behind That. I hope you enjoyed it. Sorry I wasn't here last week. I'm here this week. I'll be here next week. I hope all of you have a Merry Christmas and a a Happy New Year, and I'll see you on Monday. Remember, as always, stand up and question everything.